Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesinov. Very early on in the career of London Heal, we had an amazing episode um, about grounding with John Craig. And uh, this episode received so much amazing feedback that I knew that we had to come back and revisit this topic. And so I am absolutely delighted to have with me as my guest this week, Dr. Laura Conover, MD. Laura is a holistic physician, an author and speaker who's best known for being an expert grounding advocate. She's been featured in many news and media outlets, writes a featured health column in the organic lifestyle magazine, Mary Jane's Farm, and is featured in three motion pictures about grounding, The Grounded, Heal for Free, and Down to Earth. She runs a popular blog where you can find out more about grounding, and there are tons of grounding resource, resources at her website, intuitionphysician.com. That had such a great Earl. I, I should have stolen that one before. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We'll definitely add the links into uh, Laura's website in the show notes, so um, you can go and find them there. So first of all, Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Oh, yeah. I'm super honored to be here. Thank you. So what really fascinates me um, about your story is, first of all, of course, you're a classically trained MD, a physician, but you came to this subject via a very interesting route. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes. Well, I, I came to grounding and, and just holistic medicine in general, the same way that most people come into holistic medicine, whether you're the practitioner or the patient, which is total failure on behalf of conventional medicine. I think conventional medicine is great when you have an emergency, there's life-saving advances, you know, that I, you, you wouldn't want to do without, certainly. But as far as maintaining wellness, it's complete failure. You know, like they, there's, no, there's no training and there's no thought behind how do we optimize health. So when you have a chronic, something chronic going on, it can be very frustrating because they don't know how to make you just chronically well. You know, it, it, there's when there's an emergency, you're in a car accident, you have to have surgery. You know, I my appendix ruptured, so thank God for conventional medicine because it saved my life. But with something about you just want to feel better, it's it's not always you know helpful. And so what happened with me is I became a mom, and my daughter had colic. I mean, it's just the oldest thing in the book. You know, my daughter was crying and crying, and I knew that she was in pain. And even though I'm a physician, I still took her to the pediatrician and I was like, there's something wrong. You know, it was my first baby. So I was probably overreacting a little bit, but she was in pain and she cried around the clock. And they're like, that's just babies. They just cry. Or alternatively, you can put her on some prescription um, acid suppressors and a couple other things. And I'm thinking, this is literally like a four week old. Like I don't necessarily want to put her on a prescription and I don't want to ignore her. Is there anything else we can do just to make her feel better? And that's where I think conventional medicine fails. They're just, they don't think outside the box. If they can't surgically or, you know, anesthetize it with medication, they, there is nothing. So I left multiple appointments, including with GI specialists saying, you know, either we move forward with something drastic or let her cry. She'll outgrow it in a couple months. And both left me totally miserable because as a mom, like, I don't think babies just cry. I think my daughter was seriously in pain and telling me something. So I mean, I was distraught, but I just held her. Uh, I took a leave of absence from work and I just wouldn't, I just held her and she would cry whether I was holding her or not, no matter what we were doing, unless we were outside and I was barefoot, which I was because I lived in Arizona at the time and it was nice and warm. 
So I was always barefoot and we had a yard and I would walk around and then, and only then she could take a nap. So I literally held her for every nap in my arms outside. And it wasn't the same if we were in the car, wasn't the same if she was in a stroller. She had to literally be in my arms and I had to be outside barefoot. And so, and it was comical because it wasn't like placebo effect. She had no idea if I would step back inside the house, she would wake back up and start crying again. So I just stepped back outside. I mean, it was ridiculous. So finally I started thinking it's something to do with not just being outside. Like I said, not just being outside in a stroller or in a car with the windows down. It's something to do with us being on the earth. So we started napping outside, just laying on the ground, napping outside. I mean, that, that was the only sleep I got. It was the only sleep she got. I mean, it was for like six months. All we did was we had our routine. We'd go outside for two hours. I'd come inside to eat, brush my teeth, we'd come back outside. And it, and, and it wasn't until I did this and saw the effects with my own daughter that I started doing some research because I was like, there has to be something to this. Like it, it's, it's not just in our head and it can't just be us that feels that way. So lo and behold, even though I had gone through medical school and, and internship and training and medical practice and all that stuff, never has anyone ever suggested one time that touching the earth is healthy or healing in any way. So it took my daughter suffering and then me suffering because watching my daughter suffer is the worst to discover that there's medical studies, publications all about grounding and touching the earth, but that's not something that's included in a conventional education. Yeah, I, I always think it's it's kind of bizarre. I mean, you know, we, we just talked offline. I, I trained originally as a chemist and went on into, into more kind of biochemistry, but that's how we see biology and medicine is with this completely biochemical picture mm -hmm. but you know there's another science out there it's called physics mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and and somehow um other than kind of biomechanical issues that that sort of like the electrical body or the body electric is something which which we don't really take into account and we don't consider which i think is very remiss because mm -hmm. you know all parts of science get included and all phenomena get included in everything. You can't just selectively exclude. So on that note, I've just mentioned this is an electrical thing. Um, for the people who didn't hear our first episode, could you just actually tell us exactly what grounding is? What happens when you stand on the earth barefoot? Um, well, grounding is, like you said, just touching the earth. And it doesn't have to be through your feet. doesn't have to be barefoot. I've been so many times bundled up head to toe, boots, jackets, and then, you know, just reach out a fingertip. Or So it definitely doesn't have to be your feet. But any contact with the earth neutralizes your body to the earth's potential. So it's, it is an electrical exchange. It's like docking a battery, you know, charging a cell phone. And when you're a closed circuit, so you're not touching the earth, you're just accruing inflammation. And I honestly don't think we totally 100% know what happens when you touch the earth. I mean, there's a lot of talk about electron transfer. I honestly think there's more to it than that. Is it, does it restructure, you know, the, the makeup of our water? Does it change epigenetics? Does it do something? I mean, I, I don't think we honestly know. I think people who say, oh, an electron, they, they just have heard that. And so they're repeating that. I don't think we totally know. Could it be magnetic? Could it be? There is a lot of stuff that goes on. So I don't want to pretend that I know that, but what I do know is the healing results. So those are measurable. I can't look and watch one electron travel, 
But I definitely can tell you in medical studies, I can look at blood inflammatory markers. I can look at your um, echocardiogram. I can look at your EEG, you know, your brain activity. I can look at your muscle tension. I can look at different um, markers of muscle damage or inflammation. I can look at, you know, your immunity, your white blood cell count. So there's ways we can measure it, but I don't think we have a really great explanation for why we get these health benefits. Um, but you know, it's really interesting how you were saying like medicine doesn't account for the electrophysiology of the body. And it's so weird because I think we're on the cusp of it because modern medicine is sort of dancing around it. They recognize that all the important activities of the body are electrical because when you go to a sleep study, you're looking at your brain or, you know, ruling out seizures or whatever using an electro um, encephalogram, which is like literally looking at the patterns in your brain electrically. When you go to a cardiologist, obviously, they're looking at your heart and your electrical pattern of heartbeat. You know, everything we do is we assess things through looking at the electrical activity of the body, right? Nerve impulses, everything, digestion, everything. But we don't use it as a healing modality. So that's where this this weird disconnect because in every, you know, rotation I did in every specialty, we used electronics or an electrical assessment or in some way to help support that patient, even shocking them with the paddle. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the whole classic, the the image of someone in a hospital hooked up to a thousand things beeping and going off. It's all electrical and monitoring electrical activity. Even when a baby is born, you're looking at the baby's heart rate through the mom's womb, you know, they they get their own little um, EKG strip that we're looking at. So like, we are aware that everything's electrical and we still don't use it as a healing tool. So like, on my website, I just, I I blog about this a lot, but I'm just calling for this movement of, I think we need another field of conductive medicine. You know, I I think we need to start approaching if we can monitor the body electrically, we can also help heal the body electrically. So I don't know why that hasn't evolved yet. I've been saying it for a few years now. We, we have conductive medicine. If we take the little parts from all the other uh, specialties and put it into conductive medicine, we've got, got something there. Right. Right. It made, that yet. makes so much sense. I mean, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, of course, the cynic in me would say, well, it's free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Gra- something like grounding. So, yeah. so of course, the, the impetus no money in to, it. to yeah. develop that is maybe not so attractive to right. corporations and industry. Yeah. Um, and I think also the other thing is it, it does fly a little bit in the face of, of what we understand till now. Um, I think the genetic model of disease has has been so solid for the last 20 years since the, the human, human genome project that, that everybody thinks in terms of genes and they don't really look sort of beyond that. I guess that has now been cracked a little with the whole science of epigenetics, which is coming mm-hmm. up. But I think even conventional medicine is finally having to realize that this body is a little bit more complex than we than we originally thought. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned there some of some of the healing effects. Can we unpack that a little bit more? So what do we know um, grounding is really good for? In, in which ways can it really, really help? And where do you see in medical studies, scientific studies, where that actually really is a measurable effect? Okay. Oh my gosh, that's a broad topic. <laughs> There's a lot of effects. Um, I think the most instantaneous uh, effect is in supporting the vagal nerve and really all of your autonomic functions of the human body respond immediately to being grounded. So your heart rate variability, 
uh, respiratory rate, your blood oxygenation, blood sugars, there's an immediate response. Even um, if you measure um, the muscle tension, like say you touch the ground with your foot and you are measuring muscle, muscle tension in your trapezius muscle up here in your shoulders, instantaneously, there is a decrease in tension all throughout your body. And so, uh, and then there's long-term effects over time. It affects your uh, hormone levels. So we notice cortisol patterns normalize and stabilize other hormonal parameters. Um, sleep deepens. And so overall you become, have more restorative sleep. So then we're getting into affecting, um, you know, your brain chemistry over long-term mood disorders, energy boosts. There's so many that it's hard to just encapsulate it into a small amount. I do have on my website uh, a running list of, and I just keep adding and keep adding and keep adding of all the peer reviewed published in the medical literature, not just anecdotal. I don't even include those really, truly double blind placebo studies that are published in the medical literature. So that they're out there. And, and if people want to go to my website, then they could like click on it and read it themselves. It's not something I'm just saying, but um, I think the most impressive one was the most recent where they took uh, babies in the NICU. So babies who were preterm and were not supposed to even be born yet. And of course they're surrounded by all this electrical act, you know, the incubator and they got to monitor their, their breathing and their heart rate and all that. And they also then grant, so that's a stressful environment and they're not even supposed to be out of the womb yet. And so they grounded these infants and they immediately when they were grounded, their heart rate variability boosted, which is a huge indicator of survival survivability in preterm infants and um, they just stabilize their temperatures better and they uh, they just all their parameters stabilize so it's to me I see grounding as something that stabilizes you in wellness whereas there's nothing in medicine that really can do that and then there's one more strength with grounding that uh, I don't think it's been addressed a lot which is so the human body we can support it in a lot of different ways like with our digestion we can digest nutrients we can take a deep breath and disseminate oxygen but when you're sick and diseased and you start building up connective uh, scar tissue connective tissue build up and inflammation so your circulation gets worse i mean heart attack stroke there's problems with your circulation your digestion maybe you've got leaky gut and your whole bowel isn't working anymore what do you do to heal someone when the very area you want to heal, you have trouble getting a medication or something too because the circulation is horrible now. Maybe there's scar tissue and adhesions. It's walled off. Okay, so here's the strength of grounding. When you're thinking biochemically, like you said, or then it's like almost impossible to get oxygen and red blood cells and white blood cells and, and, and turn over new tissue in these dying areas that aren't doing well. But with grounding it's completely instantaneous i don't rely on the circulation to deliver something there i don't rely on the patient having a you know good lung volume and capacity and good oxygenation to support the tissues there i don't rely on them having good digestion i don't rely on anything about it because even the connective tissue even the scar tissue is conductive all every cell in our body is conductive and so think of your bones and your tendons and your ligaments and even inflammation pockets that are walled off and have poor circulation, poor oxygenation instantly. It's all grounded when you're grounding. So all of a sudden we have a new healing modality that comes at it from a different angle. doesn't need to be. So most things in medicine need healthy tissue in order to be healthy, if that makes sense. Like when you have surgery, in order for the incision to close, you have to have two healthy margins coming together to make new connections and new skin and new circulation between the two. What happens when 
it's diseased. There's, you can't force healing. I think that's what medicine, medicine comes up, modern medicine comes up against and they get frustrated. You can't force healing. You can create conditions to hope to optimize healing, but they, they're failing at, at trying to deliver health. They can't do it. But grounding can because grounding, you can literally just have a, a completely scarred area that it has zero blood flow and it's dying. But when you ground even a remote part of the body, say I ground my fingertip and I have an ulcer on my ankle, the ulcer on my ankle is immediately grounded electrically. So it's just a whole different delivery pathway that is not being considered in medicine yet. That's actually incredible. I had not even considered that as as a relevant issue. The fact that you you know you have damaged tissue which you can't yeah. access in any other way. That's yeah. that's extraordinarily profound. Actually. Yeah, because most of the problems we have now with these chronic issues now that we're living longer and we do have modern medicine that'll like help us survive a car accident or help, you know cut the cancer out or whatever. So that's great. But so now we just have these like underlying low grade chronic things that can last decades, you know, and, and so then that's where I think modern medicine fails us. It's not really good at treating chronic pain. It's not really good at boosting wellness or health. So, but you don't need that with grounding because with grounding, so we're all walking around with leaky gut, you know, that's why probiotics people talk about, you know, food sensitivities are off the chart. We're allergic allergenic and everything's inflaming us and we're all feeling worse and worse and our energy levels are down and we're all stressed out and we're all in adrenal fatigue and you know so we all, everyone's living longer but everyone feels pretty crappy you know but with <laughs> grounding it doesn't matter if you have leaky gut it doesn't matter if you're it, it just it doesn't matter if you have this chronic underlying issue with maybe your hypothyroid a little bit I, grounding will go in circumnavigate all the old pathways that we've been relying on especially circulation and digestion even if you have issues in those uh areas of your health grounding is just going to go completely straight through it you could have a blood clot and i'm not saying grounding is going to come in and magically decrease you know dissolve your blood clot you obviously want to get that treated but at the same time even theoretically if you had a blood clot completely occluding blood flow that blood clot itself becomes grounded when you're grounded. Everything in your body becomes grounded when you're grounded. Even the diseased areas become grounded when you're grounded. There's nothing in your body that's not conductive. From the cell matrix is like an electrical gel. The cytoskeleton of every cell making it 3D, keeping it inflated 3D, is even that is like fiber optic little tubules going in, making it grounded. And then, you know, going back from just the cells to whole organ systems, the entire organs become grounded, then the hormones and the signaling between, it's all grounded. Our blood is grounded. Our bones are grounded. Everything's grounded. So you're probably sick of the word grounded, but it's just a t an entirely different treatment modality that um, I don't, it's just still overlooked in medicine as far as what we can do to poke and prod the human body to help heal it. Just, we can, they assess it like we talked about electrically but they haven't learned to heal electrically yet right one of one of the most profound visual um pictures of that perhaps that that i saw that i think you know leaves you with no questions that there's something going on are these really very simple pictures of a blood sample mm -hmm. where you see before grounding that a lot of the cells are clumping and mm -hmm. i don't know what the statistics are but there are a lot of people out there on anticoagulant mm -hmm. um, medication which some of which can have 
potentially quite serious side effects. Mm-hmm. And you, you see that in a natural state, a lot of these blood cells are all clumped together. And then you see the picture after a person's been grounded and like seconds afterwards. And all these cells are just totally separate and flowing. And there's no, there's no kind of coagulation going on in the bloodstream. And I, I was blown away by that because that's a very strong visual yes. picture. And, and the reason it happens is because, and again, I don't know why most of medicine and science hasn't put two and two together, because the reason that happens is you can actually measure the electric potential of the red blood cell. Mm-hmm. It's called the zeta potential. And so we measure that. And we can measure that and we know the probability that cells are going to stick together and that you're going to get a blood clot. But again, they haven't thought of the flip side of how about treating someone that way and grounding them because that alters the zeta potential on each red blood cell and it makes them less likely to clump. So they will go single file and go smoothly. And then on top of the actual red blood cells having their electric potential changed when it's grounded and going more smoothly, you also have grounding opening up, vasodilating, making the circulation improve. So again, there's studies where people will ground through their feet and measured the capillaries in their skin and instantaneously the blood flow all the way up in their face is immediately enhanced. So not only does the blood itself stick together less, your circulation opens up and then even your heart rate is optimized. So your uh, heart rate variability is supported and boosted, which is a huge marker of survival when you have a heart transplant or or a heart attack, or like I said, those preterm infants, this is a huge thing. And so your cardiovascular system from your heart to your blood vessels to your actual blood is changed the second you start grounding. And so, yeah, that's an amazing visual. And I, I, I love that. But it, again, it blows my mind that a physician can measure those zeta potential, but doesn't think that that's required for healing. So instead, they'll put them on a prescription anticoagulant. And it's so weird. All these people are walking around totally isolated, even when you're outside hiking and you got your hiking boots on and you just never touch the earth. Like people are living 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, never once being grounded. So they're all on blood thinners by the end. When if they just were in touch with the earth, the blood naturally thins and it's actually reversible. We have patients who have to come off the blood thinners or, and it's a good thing. They can go down on dose. They can be monitored and sometimes even come off it because that's how good the earth is at just getting your blood moving and moving smoothly. So it's just weird how uh, still or a little archaic in my mind, when you have a cardiac patient who has a risk of clotting, they allow them to stay completely ungrounded and, and isolated and out of contact with the earth. And then they just put them on a prescription. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, not to say that, you know, prescription medication certainly has its place and, yes. and can absolutely in critical situations be life-saving. Yes. But I think the point is exactly what you're saying. This is not only a treatment modality. It's also something that you can do without being sick in order yes. to prevent disease. And I, and it's the, sure. one of the easiest ways of doing that. So you talked about the fact that we have spent most of our lives not being grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, The advent of of rubber-soled shoes and plastic shoes and and these insulated houses and Mm -hmm. and concrete jungles that we live in um, Mm -hmm. if you're in an urban environment. What's the easiest way for a person to actually introduce grounding as part of their daily practice if they are not somebody who's fortunate enough to be able to live a somewhere warm Uh (laughs) secondly where they have real good access to the outside 
I think the two easiest ways to start introducing grounding is, um, and because like you said, a lot of people live in a city and urban environment. If you, did you know that the actual sidewalks are grounded? No, I so, didn't know that. So, yes. So, so cement, as long as it's not asphalt, you know, with rubber or sealed in any way, if it's just a sidewalk that's poured on the earth, that's grounded. So I tell people in urban situations, especially where, you know, it's maybe not even safe to trek off of where you can actually see what your foot is touching. If you want to go barefoot, I, I recommend going out and finding a safe piece of sidewalk that you clear the litter off of and you can just stand there. Um, and it doesn't have to be through your feet. So you could sit, you know, on your lunch break on the edge of the sidewalk and just have your hand there. Nobody has to even know what you're doing and just touch the cement. So I think cement and sidewalks are sometimes the easiest because you have a visual, you know, there's no ant mound there. There's no snake there. There's no tick there. You know what I mean? And especially in an urban environment, there's no, uh, you know, I, just litter glass that could catch your foot. You can directly see what you're going to touch. So that, and then the other thing that's super easy that is also available even in cities generally is any kind of tree that is rooted in the earth, even a bush. That's why grass, if you think of grass as little mini trees, they're rooted in the ground. So if you walk barefoot, you're grounded. But that applies to even a huge tall evergreen or any. So I have patients who literally have, they live in an apartment, but on their, say they're on the second floor, on their balcony, there's a big tree and a branch is near and they can literally just touch a leaf. So you don't even have to go barefoot. You don't have to be naked. You don't have to do just holding on to a leaf. They just eat dinner and they're outside and they touch this tree that's on their balcony. So they're not anywhere even near the ground, but they're holding on to a tree and the whole tree is grounded. And when you're talking about touching plants, anything that's moist, like flower petals and leaves are generally the easiest to ground through. If you have super thick bark and your own skin is dry, it might you might not ground through that. So if you have a leaf you can touch, just go out there and take three deep breaths and hold onto a leaf and see if you don't feel better that quickly. Or if you have a lunch break and you can, and you, there's some cement somewhere outside that you can just go take a break and sit on for a minute, just see if you feel better after just a minute or two in those very easy, like almost, I mean, you could be in prison and you still generally have a little concrete, you know, I mean, you can't really completely take the earth away from someone, no matter what conditions they have. So if you can find a bush or a plant or a tree growing up, even if it's growing up in a park where you wouldn't normally take your shoes off because it's, you know, it's gross or it's dangerous or, or even I've seen literally grounded trees growing up in the middle of shopping malls. You know, if they have, if they've built the, the atrium around a tree, that tree is grounded. So usually people can find one of those two ways to ground. Great. And um, how long do you do you need to be touching that leaf or hugging the tree, or <laughs> being barefoot or whatever? Yeah. I love tree hugging. It's one of my favorite new hobbies, I think. That's awesome. Um, amazing experience. <laughs> I hate putting a time on it only because I feel like it discourages because, I mean, sometimes you don't have even five minutes in the day, you know, I mean, literally. And I would say if you have 30 seconds, it's worth like when I'm just going to get the mail and I trail my fingers along a bush as I'm walking to my mailbox, I think that's worth it because we know in medical studies and you know, with just the way electronics works, it's like turning a light switch on and off. It's instantaneous. So there is no time too short. Now, if you want to see long-term benefits, obviously the more you do it, you know, you, it'd be great if you could do 30 minutes a day. It'd be great if you could do two hours a day because we then have cumulative effects on you know, some organ systems turn over more quickly. So you can see a difference in your skin very quickly in your digestion. You might notice that you can tolerate eating foods because all the inflammation in your digestive tract, because it only takes a few days for skin and 
gut turnover. But there's some things like your skeleton takes like 10 years to replace and remodel bones. So, or hormones, you know, things that are, have been in places to say you had trauma five years ago, you might still have stressed uh, hormone panel. So those kinds of things, you know, the longer, the better. But I do hate saying, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that say it has to be at least 30 minutes, has to be at least an hour, or you have to sleep grounded. And I don't believe that. I mean, I want someone to go out and literally touch a leaf for a second as they walk, if that's all they can do. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sleeping grounded, I think, is actually a really interesting point. Um, after I spoke to to um, John Craig, we I immediately went out and bought myself one of these um, uh, sheets that you can put on the bed underneath. And I have to say, I don't know whether it was placebo or whatever, but since then, my sleep, I've never had a problem sleeping, luckily, but I re- definitely get the feeling that my sleep is deeper, it's mm-hmm. calmer, and that I wake up more refreshed. And the other thing I noticed is that I often would wake up with headaches. And since I have been doing this, been over a year now, I have barely once woken up with a headache, oh, which I awesome. think is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Admittedly, I've been doing a couple of other things too, so okay. it's it's not a, it's not a very good scientifically controlled study. But um, but we know it's not placebo because we know when we look at like the brain of an infant that's right grounded or not, they, they don't know. And then we've also done studies where everyone thinks they're grounded, but some of the plugs are not actually connected to the ground, right. so they're not grounded. And and it's definitely reproducible. It's definitely not placebo. You can see the difference between someone who's grounded and not grounded for sure. Okay, so other than these um, sheets and things, what what other methods um, can you can you what other sort of equipment is available out there? I I know that you're not a you know uh, you don't supply this stuff, so it's it's an yeah. objective comment. But what sort of other equipment, for example, if somebody you know like somebody who's stuck in an office all day yeah. and they want to use that time maybe apart yeah. from when they pop out during the lunch break? Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely prioritize going outside directly. So even if it's just for a minute. But actually, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But actually, I do. uh, So looking at the market for grounding, I was a little disappointed because most grounding tools use polyester or vinyl leatherette, plastic, things that are going to be in a landfill for like 500 years. And I just thought that's kind of weird because if we're reaching out to the earth to heal, why am I going to use something that's toxic and environmentally unethical? So I actually do have my own grounding line and I use organic hemp and cotton as the base and I use uh, fabrics that are biodegradable and uh, non-toxic to us and to the earth. And so I do have um, ways you can sleep grounded through sheets and mattress panels and bed rolls. But in an office setting, I'm trying to think a lot of people use, I, I have a mat that you can sit on like a chair pad. You can put it under your feet or under your chair. Also just a wristband. It's a little bit more discreet. So I also have a belt. So there's a lot of different ways you can ground a little bit more discreetly. Um, if you sit at a desk, I think the easiest is if you have like a mat on the floor and you just slip your foot on and off and no one has to know. Um, a lot of people do like wristbands though, because that's easy to just unstrap. Mine's a Velcro little wristband. And when you get up, you just take it right off and it's waiting for you when you get back. Yeah, I do have maybe one of those not so... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> environmentally friendly uh, mats that I that I put under my computer because I find that yeah. the skin on the inside of the wrist is so is so thin and sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I really noticed was if you then touch the metal casing of the of the computer, you can feel it. Behind. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know that you're grounded simply mm-hmm. because you can actually really feel it. it makes a huge difference. And mm-hmm. which 
the whole that whole subject though gets me onto the next one because I I know one argument that I have heard from several people about the positive effects of grounding is how can that have any impact when we are surrounded by electro smog you know whether mm-hmm. it's from electrical sockets and circuits whether it's wi-fi uh god forbid what's going to happen when 5g hits us Um, but i mean that's a valid argument we are absolutely bombarded with some sort of electromagnetic radiation right pretty much 100 percent of the time so how how does it like a little bit of grounding stand a chance against that and does it actually work against it can it protect you Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that is a fantastic question, and I have like ten things I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> all okay, the time in the world. <laughs> well, first of all, I totally agree with you. Um, I don't think it's one versus the other because of the fact that we are electrical and conductive, every speck of us. So we are enhanced by grounding, but I agree we are also then susceptible to anything that's electromagnetic EMFs that are around. So I believe, and if you see my website, it's half about grounding, but the other half is about shielding. And I do think that's super important. So I sleep under a shielding blanket. I uh, have shielding clothing. Um, you can even shield your uh, your bedroom and make it like a really safe cocoon by putting um, wallpaper up that's got shielding material. There's paint. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. So I actually do. I believe it goes hand in hand that you ground and you shield. I know that out there, um, there is the thought, some people think that grounding magically makes you immune. It it puts this magic cage around you, and it's not true. Uh, The magic cage around you is your skin. So when you're grounded, you, if you're running, so there's so many things to say about it, but if you're grounding through a cord, you are allowing the AC current going in a standard cord, it goes right up the cord to you and it's going into your body. And I don't think that's acceptable. So I partnered with an electrical engineer from MIT and we developed a ground cord that's called the pure ground cord. And it has a filter in it that will not let any current go up the line. No AC current, no electricity goes up the line at all, but you're still grounded. And so I do think that's important, but I also will say all of the medical studies have been done just on a standard cord. So, and they were done in hospitals and urban settings. So we know that even with all that EMFs around, there are healing benefits to being grounded. But I believe for people who are electrosensitive to have that filter and use the pure ground cord is going to be, they're going to have better results. And the second thing is I, I really do think that we need to be shielded. I think we need to understand that I don't believe just because you're grounded that all these things don't exist anymore. We're still being impacted. So, but my thought about why bother? You know, a little bit of grounding, but there's everything else is so toxic. I mean, that same thing is true for air quality. The same thing is true with sound pollution. Same thing is true with all this plastic, you know, furniture and crap and the the fumes that, you know, and the new clothing that we buy that's got chemicals sprayed on. So here's the reason why I, I got this analogy at a medical conference and I just love it. They were talking about 5G and they were saying, you know, you might not be able to control your external environment, right? It, you, you might go out there, you've got e-smog everywhere. It's like a hot, hot day and you're miserable. You're dying of dehydration, but your car is over there and your car has air conditioning. So you go to your car. Are you going to just get in your car and sit there in the heat and die? Or are you going to turn the car on and after a few minutes, some air conditioning flows, you start cooling down you feel better because you've controlled just the environment that you're in without being able to change or fix the world. You're sitting there comfortable 
And so I really feel like that towards grounding and any other, you know, hydrating well, uh, taking supplements, exercising. I mean, it's, it'd be easy to be like, why bother to exercise? Because, or, you know, I don't have access to organic foods or, well, I'm in an office all day, so I'm around, you know, radiation, so I'm not going to exercise. No, go on a walk. Of course, be the person who gets in their car and puts the air conditioning on and gets relief for a few minutes it makes a difference. You might not be able to control all of your outer circumstances, but any little thing you can do 100% makes a difference for you. So that's my approach to grounding. I agree. It's not going to be a magic cure-all, but do you stand a chance without doing it? I don't really think so. So why would you not? Right. Right. I think that's, it just makes complete sense to me that, that even, you know, I mean, we, the studies are out there for things like exercise that even a little. Yes. Better than it nothing takes 17, at all. 17 <laughs> minutes a day exactly. of just walking. It exactly. Literally lengthens your lifespan, makes yeah. it less likely for you to die of chronic disease. 17 minutes. So yeah, I'm going to try and do that. I'm going to try and walk. I have a grocery store that's in walking distance and I'm going to actually walk to it instead of drive once a week and that's going to make a freaking difference it really is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely so do you have any kind of like fundamental tips for people who um maybe i always like to try and make something a little bit actionable so yeah we we talked about grounding we understand kind of what it is even though it's not entirely yeah. clear <laughs> yeah. um we we have talked about um the chronic disease and and the and the beneficial effects it has and also the fact that it just actually encourages long-term wellness mm-hmm. what else would you say to somebody who's listening to to get them kind of um a little bit more convinced because this is one of those things that I feel has the potential to be sort of labeled snake oil, you know, which is mm-hmm. too good to be true because it helps mm-hmm. and fixes everything. So it can't possibly, mm-hmm. you know, because because science likes to look for magic bullets for specific things. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how can you get somebody over that initial hurdle and what's, what's the easiest <laughs> way to be able to, to encourage them to just go out and give this a try? Um, well, it, it's hard to convince people of anything. So I typically don't, it's if it, you know, if it feels right to you or you're willing to try it, then try it. Maybe think back in your life and think of the different times where you have been in contact with the earth, even without going out right now, just think about the times where you've been on vacation and you've been swimming in the ocean or the time where you took the day to plant a garden, you know, did you feel different? Do you feel a difference? And most people will say, I instantly felt a difference. And so then I would say, okay, well, then that means you're open to the idea. So now you really do have to just incorporate it. And you can track your progress over time, but most people don't need to. Most people do feel an immediate difference. So it is just a matter of not convincing someone, but just reminding them you're already open to this. We've all had experiences when we're kids playing in a sandbox or when we're swimming in an in-ground pool, which is all grounded. We, we all know what it feels like to be in touch with the earth and the relief. Like, don't you just feel like this huge burden is lifted off your shoulders? Remember those times and let those times motivate you to just go out and now with a more clinical eye, oh, I, you know, my wrist hurts, I have carpal tunnel or I, I get tension headaches. I'm going to specifically go out and see if I notice a change in that over time. So I guess I usually start with people trying to think of like, what is pleasurable for you in nature and, 
have you noticed that your health is good during those times? And then now let's specifically look at what's bothering you about your health. And now you, you have something trackable and that you can monitor and see so that you know it's not just in your head, it's not just placebo. Uh, you know, because when you're like a little kid and you're playing around in the mud, <laughs> you might not have anything wrong, but you just know that you had a great time or you're running in the rain. I love running in the rain, going in puddles when I was little. But now as an adult, you have insomnia or you have something, you can use that as a tracking tool. So if you can even just give it 10 minutes a day for a week, track that and you'll convince yourself. Yeah, wise advice, wise advice. One thing that is very important to me and clearly important to you because it's how you got into the story is we talked, we started off talking about children. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously an adult is in a position to make executive decisions. Yes, I'm going to actively do this or I'm going to make sure. How can we help our kids? Because, you know, there are so many children that literally go through 24 hours with never being grounded, you know, Mm -hmm. because of you know, say health and safety issues, they're not allowed to run around barefoot outside, or, you know, they're controlled in a school environment, playgrounds uh, are just basically asphalt squares, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, what can we do to to help our children who are not in a position to perhaps be able to help themselves? Yeah, well, it's going to take awareness on the parents part to carve out and to give the message to their children that it's safe to ground here, that this is something we're incorporating in our family lifestyle. So even if it's, we eat, you know, every Friday night, we have picnic dinner outside. Uh, We go to the park. If you don't have a yard, we go to a park and we all eat picnic dinner and it's, and we make a joke of it. We all take our shoes off or we have a little bonfire or, and, and for parents to specifically tell their kids who are told all day long to sit still and keep clean and don't ruin your clothes and just, you know, minimize the fact that you're alive. Basically, I feel sorry for kids. They're just minimized all the time. Shut up, be quiet regurgitate some facts back to me so I can give you a grade. Don't move. Don't make a mess. Don't be disruptive. I mean, I really do feel bad. Don't be a kid. Yes. (laughs) You really have to specifically, uh, until the school system changes, which is not going to be likely while your child's still a child, right? You have to make home a safe haven. So whether you bring in indoor grounding tools and that's how, and you just say, you know, during the day, I don't really have control, but I'm going to ground their bed at night. So I know those eight, hopefully more, nine or 10 hours for kids is healing time, truly healing, not just waiting for the next day to start, but actually, you know, prepping that electrical gel that is every cell of their body to meet the next day neutralized and ready for whatever insults are going to come, you know, with the smart classrooms and, oh, just, it's overwhelming. So if you can't go in and, I mean, I homeschooled my kids, so I took a little bit of a charge over what environment I wanted them in because I definitely wanted a more natural and holistic kind of childhood for them. But if you can't do that, then you can at least make their sleeping arrangements grounded. Or if you don't have the money, you don't want to buy a product. I I really believe if as a family, you can cultivate, even for 10 minutes, we go out and look at the stars before we go up to bed. We just, so that's something I did with my daughter when she was little, like we just had a thing where we charted the moon. So on the way up to bed, rain, snow, it doesn't matter. We would stand outside with blankets wrapped around us, but bare feet and look up. And we just talked about the moon and can you see planets? Can you see stars? That's it. And we went to bed. So you can put little routines and we didn't get dirty because we stood on our little front sidewalk kind of path. Mm -hmm. So just, I don't know if you can think of ways right before bed or when you wake up in the morning, if you're going to eat breakfast, maybe 
on a porch that's grounded because it's cement, or maybe you can have a picnic every weekend, at least maybe every weekend they can go to a safe place where there is a green space instead of just like you said, asphalt and a fence, which is unfortunately what most recess yards are. So I, I think it is really imperative for, for parents to give kids permission to touch the ground. So um, unfortunately, I, I probably wouldn't rely on the educational system to instill that in them quite yet. Very wise advice. Inevitably leads on to the question that, that we see a lot of mental health issues starting to arise in children these mm-hmm. days. Uh, there is clearly a plethora of reasons why that is. It's definitely yeah. not due to a single factor. Mm-hmm. But um, I myself was fairly recently diagnosed with ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know this is something which appears to be becoming more prevalent on um, cases of autism. So on depressions, um, the suicide rates among young people mm-hmm. is enormous. Mm-hmm. Is there any data looking not only at the physiology um, that's affected by grounding, but also the psychology? Mm-hmm. There are there are a bunch of studies that where it's not the focus of the study, but in the study, there's questionnaires and they can fill out energy and mood. So we definitely know because of that. And those are double blind placebo studies. So they don't know if they were grounded or not. And they would track mood. So we know it lifts mood. I don't think there's any clinical ones specifically with, you know, bipolar or specific mental illness, but we have tracked mood. The other thing that there are studies about is um, <clears throat> helping with autism. And uh, how there, it's like two prongs. One, one thing is it helps with your gut and it helps with your digestion. There's a huge amount of inflammation and sensitivities in autism. And so it helps calm the body to not be so reactive and triggered so easily. So it, it really helps with digestion, I think, mostly. And the other prong it helps with in autism is you have interrupted sleep. That's one of the hallmarks of autism. And so it definitely deepens sleeps. And in the brain studies and in the brainwave and patterns that we can see that sleep is actually restorative when you're grounded. And so it's not curing autism, but it is addressing two of the fundamental reasons why people struggle in treatment with autism. This is helping digestion and it's helping deepen sleep. So children are much more resilient. But then there is also a second whole, like we touched on a little earlier, I also feel that mood disorders, depression, uh, trouble with ADHD is triggered a lot by this e-smog you talked about. So when you have a kid who's got a phone in one hand and a computer in the other, and and a lot of it's not even their fault or, you know, gaming systems, but even at school, it's just, oh my gosh, there's a Wi-Fi booster in every classroom and they can't get away from it. Is you're just constantly triggered and frazzled and you're ungrounded. So you're not even off gassing that stress at all. There's just this isolated pocket of tension and stress that's being bombarded. And so um, that would be the other thing I would suggest is, is I think we all need a break and to dock ourselves with grounding, but I think we also all need kind of like a a bubble of protection, a safe place where, you know, we turn the router off at night or we put a little shielding bag around it so that the Wi-Fi is not as strong in our house. We don't bring our phones to the dinner table and we don't bring the phones to the bedroom. Gaming systems are in the main living area instead of in each child's bedroom. Um, and then hopefully you can get like a shielding blanket to sleep under at night, that kind of thing. So I definitely think it's a two prong approach and people are starting to open up to grounding. And I think shielding will be kind of behind that. Right, right. 
I also have a, a plea out there for, for all the uh, frequent flyers, because I know so many business people spend their entire lives almost um, in airplanes these days. And that's mm-hmm. like the worst for getting mm-hmm. very ungrounded. I, I'm, I would actually even suggest that, you know, when you get into into the arrivals hall, that, that they have grounding mats for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I introduced this to a couple of friends of mine. I said, you know, this would really help. And I have had feedback that they have suffered much less jet lag since yes. the ground when they... It's interesting. Know. That was one of the first things that was studied was jet lag, was if you get to a different place and you go out and touch the earth there, you're immediately synchronized. You know, there was... We've known this for a long time. Back in, I think it was the 70s, they did a study that um, they wanted to know what is the human body, what is their day-night cycle if they're not influenced by the sun and they're not influenced by the earth in any way. So they built these chambers. This is one of the studies that's on my list on my website if you uh, want to provide a link there but they shielded these chambers down in the earth so that of course there was no sense of night and day but also you were blocked from the pulse the electrical pulse the heartbeat of the earth and then they had ones that were down in a bunkers down in the ground so you were disconnected from the sun but you received the earth's energy and when people were in the shielded one, they lost complete all sense of day and t- night and time. And they, they were on like this three hour pattern, you know, everything was messed up. The ones that did not know if it was night or day, but they were in contact with the earth's energy. And I mean, not just psychologically, I mean, physically, there was no shielding there. So they had the electromagnetic human resonance going into that bunker. They kept on a pretty close, it was like a 20, it kind of like, I think it shortened to like a 22 hour cycle. They were able, they don't have a clock. They don't have, they just put themselves on that. So a lot of people think, and I'm one of them, that equally important to your pineal gland getting some sun is being as close to the earth as possible to really regulate. And it helps with insomnia and it helps with a lot of different things. But one of the best things, and this is why we've known it the longest, because we've known that since the 70s, is jet lag. You can reset your circadian rhythm by getting in contact to the earth. So it's the best thing to do. Like you said, there should be math and stuff in <laughs> airports. I mean, hospitals should be great. I mean, it's ridiculous. the whole thing is laughable almost. But since there is not that, and there probably won't be for a little while, at least go outside. And, and you, you, don't, you can be totally inconspicuous. You can just sit on a, on a bench outside in the airport, you know, with concrete and just slip off one shoe or just touch it with your hand. I mean... It doesn't have to be this big fuss, but you can get grounded literally immediately upon leaving a building outside, even if it's, you know, just cement. Great. In in what respect has this come into the public space? Are there any institutions or organizations or medicals that, who are who are kind of so open to this that they said, well, okay, we'll we'll give it a try and start implementing it? Or is it still living in the world of woo? <laughs> um, you know, there is a a lot of studies done, and it's been being embraced so far about having nature, but they're not going the next step of it's not to me enough just to have natural cell. Like, so like in hospitals, they're putting potted plants and they're making sure people have a window so they can have some natural daylight, but it's still not grounded. And with kids, we know, you know, nature deficit disorder, that was a huge thing, uh, that discovery. And so like a lot of times kids are given time outdoor, but again, they still have their shoes on. They're not allowed to get dirty. So it's not very immersive and you're not really grounded for the most part. So I would say there's starting to be awareness of the health benefits of being in nature, but it hasn't gone as far as, implementing the actual touch of grounding the closest is there are a bunch of barefoot parks and they're more in europe 
but uh, then I don't know if there is even any in, in America over here, but um, there are a bunch of barefoot parks that encourage, they have different sensory areas. There's hiking paths that are safe to walk barefoot. They'll have like river stones. They'll have a water play area. And it's not with a plastic rubber mat. It's with um, tile or something that's conductive cement. So there's a couple of those, but it surely hasn't taken off yet, I don't think. Well, well, let's hope that people like you <laughs> keep doing the great work that you're doing and getting the message out there because I think it's 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 knowledge and it's I mean the scientific evidence is there and as you said, I think if anybody actually just tries this, they'll notice mm-hmm. themselves that with such little effort, there really isn't very many things that are so easy to do mm-hmm. to get grounded and uh, and that they'll notice that that it makes a difference to their lives. And a, and a huge thing is is just normalizing that within your own family. So uh, if you can teach your kids, like when you have an upset stomach, we just go and we go get our picnic blanket and we go outside and we read a couple picture books together and we notice that we feel a little bit better. Like uh, as parents, it's almost our responsibility to teach kids that just like we want to eat good foods and we want to stay hydrated and you need sleep every night and you might need to wash your hands to prevent spread of infectious disease, but you also want to get grounded every day because it's unreasonable to expect a human body to be disconnected, a closed circuit accruing inflammation, damage, and stress, especially in our modern society with, like you said, EMFs around us 24-7. It is unrealistic to think that that body is going to stay healthy for 80, 90 years. It, it, it's not going to. It's, it's impossible if you're not docking it and grounding it and giving it a break and a boost and support on every level. The reason why people like passed off as placebo is because it affects everything, right? It boosts everything from mood to your, you know, your skin looks better, but then also your gut feels better and your tension headache went away. But the reason it does that is because every cell in your body is electric. So it's not, oh, it's a placebo. It's, oh, it affects every cell in your body. So as a parent who's instilling these healthy routines, if I want you to take a bath before bed, I want you to make sure that you, you sleep every single night. I want you to make sure that you brush your teeth in the morning. I also want to make sure like it's just normalized. Oh, you have an earache. Let's go outside and have lunch outside today instead. And we're going to play in, the, you know, or we're going to go walk along the river this weekend because we, I noticed that mommy and daddy are feeling stressed out. So we're going to go have a park day, you know, like normalizing reaching for the earth as part of your healing plan will create a generation where that is just like, duh, why didn't, why, why wouldn't you do that? You know what I mean? But that's, so I think we're one generation removed from that. Yeah. That also makes me think, um, I, I spoke to, uh, Professor Russell Foster, who's one of the, um, premier experts on sleep, particularly in conjunction with circadian rhythms. And, and he was talking, for example, about old people's homes, you know, uh, retirement homes, and how they managed to really significantly improve the well-being of the lot of residents just by altering the amount of light they got. Just makes you wonder what would happen if they grounded them too, mm-hmm. especially with what you said about the the cave research. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely something that, from from literally cradle to grave, can can only be good for you. And it's mm-hmm. the way that nature intended us to be. We're the only animal that doesn't come into contact with the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially as we age, like all the chronic diseases of of age, you know, like you think of arthritis or 
maybe onset of dementia. It's all, you know, cardiac problems. It's all just chronically accrued inflammation over time that is never relieved. So for sure, and I don't know if you saw the movie Heal for Free, but in that film, we do go into a rehab and nursing facility and we give um, the the patients there some some grounding blankets. Like, for example, like every other person there had a, was trying to heal from having a knee replacement, it seemed like. And so we grounded, you know, certainly right after surgery because it boosts blood flow. You don't necessarily want to do it while you have an open wound. But a few days afterwards when the incisions are closing, it, you for long-term benefit, you want to be grounded to help resolve that issue and like heal. And so, uh, yeah, it would be amazing if it wasn't just that one retirement place that we grounded, but it was all. Mm-hmm. Because again, how do you expect to age well if you're not grounded? I, I don't think it's possible. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I can't believe our, our time is has gone by. I could talk to you all day. <sighs> I find this subject completely fascinating. Um, is there anything that we missed that we absolutely should mention? Well, I, I do think it'll help people to... Think of it more as common sense instead of snake oil is because most people have their, their fallbacks that they, oh, I have the supplement or I, oh, I raw, I juice or I meditate, I take deep breath. All of these ways that we're trying to nurture the body through raw juices and fresh foods and supplements and breathing are indirect ways of trying to get that earth inside our body. So whether it's the atmosphere that the earth is producing or whether it's the food that the earth is growing. This, we all innately know that we need the earth to be healthy, right? Like that's why we're alive down here. The, ball, the earth is a ball of life. I actually spoke to several astronauts that went up to the moon and uh, Charlie Duke and Edgar Mitchell. And they said, oh, when you're up on that moon looking at that earth, you have the most intense desire to get back. You know, you just want to lay back down on it. It's just, you need it. Your cells create, you want it. And so that's why we juice so well. And there's oxygen bars and there, you know, meditation. But there's the direct thing. Just touching the earth, all these indirect ways. Again, if I eat, you know, an amazing avocado grown off the earth, I still rely on my digestion to process it, absorb it, and distribute it to my body. So it's still indirect. If I meditate, which there's tons of medical studies showing that that's so good for our body and our brain, but I'm still trying to get that oxygen in and depending on my circulation to go and distribute this fresh fresh oxygen and for me to call, you know, use my vagal system to calm my brain patterns. It's all indirect. The direct thing is just touching the ground. So everything you love about this earth that we're trying to, you know, there's so many like tricks and tools to try and get things from the earth into our bodies, but you can actually just touch the earth. So I think that's uh, just really important. And yes, we, we have to have another interview because I, I didn't talk about my earthing and weight loss study. There, there's just so many things. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, um, I think a little bird told me that you have a book coming out soon. Oh, I so do. Maybe when that's out, we'll definitely yes. have you back that and then cover all of that stuff. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time to to help us understand this fascinating subject. You are a little so bit more. welcome. I always have three little questions that I finish up with and ask all my guests. No right or wrong answers. Okay. I'm curious. Um, London Heal is all about mind, body, spirit, and I like to kind of picture that in, in the terms health, happiness, and serenity. So for you personally, as a physician, a mom, a grounding expert, how do you define health? What does that word mean for you? Um, for me, it, some I might not word this well because I wasn't expecting the question, but um, it's something about having meaning 
for being alive. So it's something about that I'm, I have value here and I have creativity and I have my own input because I do notice when you don't have that, if you don't have a reason why you're here or meaning behind it, nothing else matters. You know, it, it just, you can take the most apathetic, depressed patient. And if you can't get them to have a reason that they feel that there's a meaning behind taking that next breath, there's just almost nothing. I mean, you could hook someone up to, an, you know, you could breathe for them. You could have, you know, you could have a feeding tube. You can't make them come alive in the sense of wanting to contribute and participate in this earthly experience without like some kind of meaning or creative input behind it. So to me, health is when you feel like you have something inside you, you want to get out. It's a fabulous definition. I haven't heard that one before. And it's, perfect. <laughs> it's just perfect. What about happiness? What does Laura do to get happy? And do you even think the pursuit of happiness is something that's important? Oh, that's such a good question too. Well, just off the top of my head, I would say the thing that for sure, as most parents would say, make me the happiest is focusing on my kids. That just blows everything else away. But I will also say my perspective has changed a lot when I was younger, especially when I was a new mom. I, I was so much more innocent and I just, I did think the purpose of life was to be happy and to just, you know, positive thinking and enjoy each moment, make the best of it. And then we suffered quite a few traumas and I had a horrible couple years where I was not happy like we didn't have one day where we weren't traumatized and crying and it was bad so during those times I really realized and I really started thinking I don't think the point of me being alive is to be happy I think it's to have meaning because on those days when I was suffering I wanted to still be here you know and so I, I don't know, when I was younger, I did think it was about how, how much happiness can I pack into this life? How, how grateful can I be? How wonderful can I make it? But now I, I just think I'd rather have a lifetime of struggle and suffering if it was meaningful to me, I really think, than an easy day. So to, I, I would say I focus on my kids to be happy when I need a lift, but overall, I don't think it's about how much happiness I can experience here. Right, right. And serenity. Um, we talked about you know the EMF bombardment twenty four seven. We're bombarded with everything twenty four seven. I think we we have attention spans that are so short these days, yeah. and I think it's so vital that we really actively engage in turning down the noise um, yeah. and and trying to search out those moments of serenity. How do you do that? Oh, <laughs> girl, I need to do more of it. I uh, oh, probably, that's probably, yeah, that's probably the thing that's lacking the most I mean I like to have my shielding blanket on me at night that does make me feel like I've got a break from the external world and I do find as cliche as it is that exercising in those moments where I'm actually enjoying physical activity that mind chatter just finally stops for a few minutes and so like the more I can just be down in my body so I, I guess exercising, even though I actually hate exercising, but when I do it, I notice in those moments, I feel clear. Yep. I, I have exactly the same problem. I'm not the best exerciser, <laughs> but when, when you're there and when you're doing it, you know, it, yeah, you feel the benefits immediately. Good, yeah. Great. Thank you, Laura, so much. I yeah. really appreciate it. And I'd love to honor you for the work that you do. I think yeah. it's amazing that you stand behind this and you're trying to get it out to the world because I think Thank it's you. a very, very crucial and important message. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'd be back anytime. Thank you so much. My appreciate pleasure. It.
So, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Laura as much as I did. As I said, the first episode that we did with John Craig, please go back and have a listen of that if you haven't, uh, sparked so much interest. And this is just such an easy, logical way. Um, it makes so much sense. You know, every single animal has contact with the earth except us human beings. So there is so definitely something to do. Um, and something relevant about this. And as Laura pointed out, there's a lot of very good, high quality, peer reviewed studies that just show that grounding is such an important thing for our health and well being. So I would highly encourage you to check out her website and get as much more information as you need and start grounding. And on that note, if you enjoyed this episode and think that other people may benefit from it, then please pass the information on because that's why we're here. We want to help you find ways so that you can maintain and maximize your health, happiness and serenity. And of course, if you would like extended show notes um, for future episodes of London Heal, please go over to our website, londonheal.com, and you can sign up there and get on the mailing list and you'll receive every time a new episode is published, all of the links and the extended show notes for that episode. Also, you can find us on any podcast platform that you listen to. Please rate and review us. It really helps us get the message out there. And so, my dear listeners, that leaves me to wish you, as always, health, happiness and serenity. <laughs>